Well, welcome once again to our Holy Days podcast. Uh, we have missed uh, our schedule for the last couple of weeks, but uh, we have been enjoying a tour of the Holy Lands. Uh, Pastor Sean and myself was uh, there with a group. We had a wonderful uh, trip to be able to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. So what do you think about that trip? You know, it was even better than I thought it would be. Uh, I thought I was just going to go there and maybe not much would change for me. But when I was walking, you know, at first it didn't hit me as strong. But as the days went on, it just hit me more and more. I'm walking where Jesus walked. All these stories were coming to pass in my head. And I was like, this is where David was next to the well, to the waters. Uh, This is where, you know... Solomon was, this is where the disciples were, this is the sea. All of these things came to life. It was really amazing. And then once again, we came back Sunday morning, uh, still a little bit under jet lag. But when the pastor started uh, preaching Sunday, Pastor Jeremy, uh, I thought, we were there. And and then he went to the next passage. We were there. Mm -hmm. And so it was really, uh, uh, it's going to enrich our lives. Uh, Every time we hear the scriptures read, uh, when a preacher mentions this part or that part or Jericho, we, we were there. Yeah. And so it was really a great trip. Uh, and so what we're going to do, we're going to try to get caught up. So <laughs> we may be uh, on fast track a little bit, but uh, we want to get uh, our last two weeks caught up because we want to come back and do something really special uh, on Purim. Uh, so next Wednesday, so we're going to try to get these caught up for you. You maybe get them both on uh, today. So we got one, and we, the other one will follow right behind it. So, Amen. Pastor Sean, uh, where did we leave off, and uh, where do we go from here? Well, we're on the Parsha Mishpatim, which just means laws. So we're going to cover some of the laws and where Moses is going to be called up to the mountain again to talk with God. So the, the laws, what we don't like reading over and over, repetitious. Yes. So, but uh, they're important. But before we get started, I'll just go ahead and throw up some of our pictures here for the Israel Sure. Show them, show them what we did in Israel. This is Mount Carmel with the apostle and his wife. Uh, I took this picture, and uh, it was the mountain I can't even explain was one of the best ones we had. It was The image was just amazing up there. And then uh, this is uh, Mount Carmel as well with the whole group. And this picture is us at the Caves of Qumran. You can see the caves in the background a little bit. And and this is us at the Temple Mount. And we were over on the eastern side. And the the mosque was to the right of us in this picture. Mm -hmm. And then uh, this is us on the Via Della Rosa. You can see the picture up at the uh, top right corner there uh, saying where the where we were. And that was our guide on the right, uh, George. George George was a, uh, a believer, uh, and he was very uh, knowledgeable of the scriptures uh, of each place we were at. It was wonderful having uh, George with us. And uh, I, I recommend if you go uh, to Israel, pray, because my wife prayed every day that we would have a, a godly Christian guide that uh, just wouldn't tell us politics, but tell us scripture. And so we're very thankful for George. It was really helped us understand the, every area we went a whole lot more. And at the end of this video, I will, uh, if I have time, I will attach the recording that we made with oh, him. Okay. And to uh, let him do a little bit of speaking on there. But uh, George was fantastic. You know, I don't very often volunteer to do something for free. But for him, I said, you know what, uh, we'll make you a video because I enjoyed the trip so much. And he was such a good guy. We decided to do that. Um, but going into Mishpatim, let me, uh, I'll bring up the image here real quick. That's uh, how you say it in Hebrew. And you can read it from right to left there. Now, the half Torahs, we don't always talk about very much. But if you see that reading assignment at the bottom... That is where you can read those passages, and it has directly to do with what we're talking about as well. So we're on Mishpatim, and we're going to go forward from there. So, verses 1 through 10, we're in Exodus 21, verse 1. It uh, talks about the laws of slaves. So, after six years, the servant goes free unless they want to stay, and then they stamp the ear, and he stays forever, if he wants to stay with his master. 
you can't sell a daughter to a foreign country. They don't allow that. That's never something was meant to be done, even though it happened in Solomon's time quite a bit. It was, it's a law that was never supposed to be allowed. Um, verses 12 through 26, it has to do with personal injury. You know, we deal with that often in our day. Uh, willful murder requires death as punishment. That's biblical. Yes, it is. So even if they are found uh, begging at the altar of God, it even specifically says that. If you find them in my house, you're to take them out and put them to death, even if you find them in my house. That's, that's Scripture. So willful murder is not to be taken lightly, according to the Bible. In uh, verse 16, it, uh, whoever kidnaps someone and sells him or is caught still holding him must surely be put to death. That's, that's the law. So you've got to think about, to me, this one's striking home because uh, of all of the people that are getting kidnapped or sold into the sex slaves and everything else, uh, how are we supposed to deal with that? Well, we're tied down by so many laws, mm-hmm. and we're barely effective at all at stopping these people. Mm-hmm. But the Bible is pretty clear. Kill it them. is clear. <clears throat> but one of the things we always want to bring out, uh, Jesus, when Jesus came, he came to fulfill the law, not to, not to condemn. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we understand that our laws today, uh, New Testament living is a little different from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. But in that day, but what we want to bring out is God was serious about his laws mm-hmm. and serious about obedience. And God is still today very serious about the obedience of his children. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he was very strict with these laws. So verse 15 through 17, whoever strikes a mother or father or treats them with disgrace must be put to death. Wow. Yeah, that is a wow. Uh, <laughs> whoever strikes father and mother. And part of that, uh, the, that scripture or refers to the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. in it. Honor your father and mother and that you shall have long life upon this earth. Mm-hmm. I always told my children uh, that meant I brought you into the world. I could take you out. So, uh, but we are to honor our father and our mothers. And you know, it, it's it's you, you got to think about it because when you start allowing that dishonor a little, and each generation started doing a little and a little more and a little more, and look where we are today. Yes. If we stayed with the family system that we had, not even putting children into schools, because a lot of your schools are indoctrinating our kids mm-hmm. now especially your colleges and things like that. So it's very difficult. There are some good ones, but it's focused on a nation of workers and not a nation of thinkers. That's what they wanted. They wanted to corrupt the mind. They wanted to, you do what we say instead of what God says. Yeah. You know, over the years, uh, Pastor Sean, I have uh, witnessed, uh, you know, church growth. People come and people leave, and you try to always find out why did they leave. And, you know, you find out, well, uh, uh, my son didn't get the big candy bar at Children's Church. Or uh, this or that, that happened. And children sometimes dictate where we go to church. And that's the, the, the role of the parents, mm-hmm. is to see that you get your children in a, a Bible-based church that preaches the truth so that they will not continue to slip, because we are seeing that little by little by little. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's the plan of the enemy is uh, the enemy doesn't want a whole lot. He wants just a little. I've always said as I preach, most Christians do not have a blowout. They just have a slow leak, mm-hmm. and it just slowly leaks out until they're flat. Uh, I've, I've had a few tires that were that way, just that <laughs> slow leak. Uh, but we're, we want you to uh, uh, renew your love for the Lord and to, uh, to just enter in. And, and so that's why we're teaching some of these laws. And, it, you know, in touching basing on that, uh, it's, it always starts slow. It always starts subtle. And if you're, if you're the man of the house, you're the leader, and even if your wife comes to you and says, well, I don't really want to stay there anymore. We're not being promoted. We're not, you know, yeah. these kind of things. It's, it's whoever the spiritual leader is the home. So if it's the mom, if it's the dad, whoever, I understand there's situations like that. But what I'm saying is whatever you hear from God, that's what you're to obey, mm-hmm. not how everyone feels. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful what you decide to do uh, and who you decide to listen to. Even... 
even your wife, even your husband, even your kids, you, there are times they will lead you astray from what God is telling you to do. So it's important. And, and you're listening to us today. Uh, we encourage you to check us out. We encourage you to follow along in scriptures. And uh, we're not perfect men. Uh, I'm sure that maybe some little point may not agree with something, and we may get something wrong. We're 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 not perfect, but we we're doing our best to. Uh, bring you the truth of the word and stay with the scriptures of the word. Yes. And so that's why we go verse by verse. Uh, in verse 18 through 19, if men fight and one mu uh, must remain in the bed, the one who struck him pays for the time off. So if you get into a fight or a scuffle and you injure someone, then you have to pay for their time off if that happens. That's a very interesting verse, considering today's applications. Yeah. Uh, 20 through 21, uh, owner punished if they strike a slave and kill it. The owner has to be punished. Now, he either pays a certain amount or he's put to death himself. Uh, 22 through 25, hitting a woman who is pregnant, if no injury, the man still pays damages. Mm. If she dies, it's eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, he's put to death. Yeah. That's, that's the law on that. Uh, 26 through 27, knocking out a tooth or blinding a slave, uh, they are to be let go. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter how much they paid for them, that if you injure them like that. So even though you may say, well, what does this have to do with this today? If uh, a job or a place, you know, if they injure you or a boss injures you and you sue the company, this same thing. Yeah. That's what we're looking at right here. So what about that third grade fight I had and, and I lost the tooth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Just, I have to bear it. Yeah, pretty much. At this yeah. point, yeah. <laughs> so verses uh, 28 through 32, if an ox gores someone, so a, a bull or something of that nature, and they die, the ox is stoned and the meat is not to be eaten. It is not to be considered kosher. So if the ox was known to be violent and the owner didn't put it down, then the owner is put to death. Wow. So that's uh, just some things to think about. Because if you start thinking about uh, how these things happen in our day-to-day, -day, so it's if a dog gets loose that's known to be violent and the owner didn't put it down and it kills someone, what do you do? Well, the Bible has it laid out in some of these instances. So chapter 22... We're moving right along. So uh, verses 1 through 2, if a thief is caught and dies, there will be no blood guilt for him. Mm. So you think about people breaking into your home today, and sometimes you get sued because they get injured. Right. Uh, the thief must make full restitution or be sold into slavery. Even if the stolen item is found, double he must pay back. Verses 5 through 6, if an animal... Animals eat in your field and go into your neighbor's field. You must make restitution for it. Uh, if, the, if a fire break, breaks out, the one who started it must make restitution. Amen. So. You know, just look at that verse there. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about if your animal goes into your neighbor's field and eats his, his uh, grass? You have to make restitution. Well, we would live in here in America, plush and green and... Uh, no big deal. But we just came back from the Holy Land. How much grass did you see uh, in the neighbor's field? Uh, it was very uh, scarce mm -hmm. and uh, not that much. So uh, it could actually have been valuable to have yeah. green grass uh, for your livestock. And if you your neighbor ate it up, I mean, that really put a hardship oh, yeah. on you. So one of these th important things about uh, going to the Holy Land your eyes are open to a lot of little simple things, just such as one like that. Why, why did you go make a big deal about that in the scripture? Well, if you were there, uh, you would see that. And, and I, I like to bring it up. My wife is always amazed because uh, she looks at the scripture and says, if you keep silent, these rocks will cry out to me. Did you see any rocks while you were there? Man, did we. <laughs> Man, they were everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it, was, uh, it was impossible to see a field that wasn't just, uh, it would have been difficult to walk a straight line and, you know, to, cause you'd have to walk around the rocks, mm -hmm. but, uh, it is, uh, it's an overwhelming amount of rocks. And oh yes. So, and over, it's so, just uh, being there, you get a, an, an eyes view of that. And so this here, 
uh, verse uh, five there about the gazing of the field. It, it, now I see, well, I see the importance of that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how the biomes, uh, the they change so dramatically. Because, mm-hmm. like, we'll go over a hill, all of a sudden the grass lush is behind us. We're straight in the desert. Right. And it's just that fast. Yeah. Just that fast. Mm-hmm. But uh, verses uh, 16 through 17, If a man seduces a virgin who is not engaged and goes to bed with her, he, may sh- he must surely pay the marriage price for her to be his wife if her father refuses to give her to him. He must pay the pr- price for a bride anyway. Right. So I thought that was interesting in today's application. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so because there's just so much where, you know, we don't put any emphasis on that. And a lot of that here in America is like it's so done away with at this point. Yeah. And it's like, well, you're just old timer. Well, you're just this. And it's we don't respect the body anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's sad the way things have gotten, uh, but it's happened progressively over time. And I will go as far to say, I know I'm getting off track here, but uh, when I was in Israel, I noticed that some of the uh, influence or I would, you would go as far as to say demonic influence and things of like that were different, mm. were completely different than it was here in America. I felt the difference. And even the thoughts that you think are different depending on where you go. So if you go to a different nation, mm. it's amazing how there's a different demonic influence over that area. Mm. And as I was there, I was like, this feels weird because it wasn't the same type of thing. They're, they're, over Israel, it feels like there's a, uh, there's a hate for the Jews. There's the Jews uh, are also hating back. And there's a lot of that going on, and a lot of the influences that you would normally think or thoughts you may even normally have here, never had there. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, this is so different. And then as soon as I got back, as soon as I got back to the States, everything was back to the way it was before I left. The thoughts and the things, these negative influences. And I know that may seem weird to some, but it's... When you really sit down and think, if you've never traveled, then you don't know. But right. when you travel, you may not think about it. But I, I always think about these things. And I, I'm sitting there, and it's just like, wow, the influence is so different here mm. in Israel than it was here in the States. And it really makes you wonder, and this is why I'm bringing all this out. <clears throat> uh, there's some people I minister to, and every once in a while they'll say, this is just who I am. And I'm like, no. No, you're being manipulated. Yeah. You're listening to these voices, and it's different. And it, you won't know if you travel to another country, you'll start recognizing it. You'll travel to different areas, you start recognizing the influences are different. So then it really makes you question, who am I really? Because if these influences weren't there, what would my choices be? What would my thoughts be? What what would I be doing? Where would I be going? Uh, who would I be hanging out with? And so it's so important to spend your time in the Word with God and being influenced by Him rather than by everything else you're hearing. Yeah. Uh, you know, we do uh, are influenced by so much in today's society, today's world. Uh, our children uh, have it tough in their school systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the laws of our land need to be changed uh, for our school systems. Uh, but we're allowing everything to be taught. Uh, we're a lot of the parents. We do not have any input in what happens in our schools, and we've let this slip throughout the years. Uh, you know, it's if a child today doesn't have a cell phone by the age of ten, they're abused children. Just about. Uh, you know, every child uh, and the cell phones and. I, I pointed this out to our team, and, and this, this is a bad mark on us. Uh, we failed, our, our team. Uh, we were a small group of 11. We were sitting at a table having dinner uh, one evening, and all around us were other tables filled with a dozen people at each table. And out of these five or six tables, they were from all different nationalities. Uh, and I looked at our table, and we had eight cell phones laying on our table, either in our hand, that we were, because in the hotels we had Wi-Fi. And, you know, we, we strive on Wi-Fi. 
you know, what's the first thing you do when you, you walk in a hotel? What's the password? You know, <laughs> we want Wi-Fi. We want knowledge. And so at the hotels, we had Wi-Fi. And so that's naturally when we used the phone, but we were eating. And uh, there were eight cell phones on our table. And I looked around at approximately 60 to 70 people sitting around us. There was two cell phones, and both of those were age 20 or less. So we, uh, we, we you know, just a culture different we strive on that we're we're influenced by that Mm -hmm. and uh you know the goal is to be influenced by the word of god and allow Mm -hmm. god's word to you know it says uh, hide the word of god in your heart that you may not sin against him and so that's that's our goal is to to get closer to god draw closer to god and even a trip like this draws us that closer but when we come back we want to you know press into that and so is that difficult for you to do? Uh, when I got back, I noticed that the influence was, uh, it tried to hit me really hard mm. in uh, distraction and everything else. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And it was a struggle. Yeah. It was. Because that we're, we're creatures of habit. It's like pull, it tries to pull you right back into that. And you're like, no, 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 mm. no. And it's, I, I will do what God's called me to do. I'm going this path. So it's, uh, but the, the thing is, the temptation and the the struggle here, the influence over the mind, is what you're used to, so it's easy to slide back into that. But when I was over there, I was like strong against that kind of influence yeah. because I haven't been there real long. You know, and and we're if you look at the title in our section here of our mm-hmm. Bibles, a lot of times they have subtitles, and this is social responsibilities, and that's what we're talking about: yes. social responsibilities. And uh, of the of each and everything, mm-hmm. so so we'll we'll jump right back in. I know we got off there for a minute, but let's uh, verse eighteen. Now this one's one I wrote in, and I, I left it in here just because I wanted to think about the implication for today. You must not allow a sorceress to live. Hmm. Think about how much magic influences movies, TVs, yeah. everything else we have. It's uh, so prevalent today in the Church of Satan is so prevalent in that and trying to influence people. Like mo- most people aren't even aware. There's a, I think it's in Howe or somewhere, that they're openly teaching keep people in the school system. Mm. And they're, they, they're not even hiding it. It's called Church of Satan. Yeah. And it's there's so much of that that's being influenced now and it's becoming more and more open because they don't fear it anymore. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's just flat out. I'm, I won't go any further into that, but if you look into it, you'll see what I'm saying. But... Whoever has relations with the beast must be put to death. Verse 20, sacrifices to any other god than uh, Yahweh alone must be utterly destroyed. Uh, Verse 21, not to wrong a foreigner because you were foreigners in Egypt. So there's not supposed to treat them that way. Uh, 22 through 24, must not afflict widows or orphans. And I'm going to go off a little bit on this uh, section. Uh, Jeremiah 22, 1 through 10 talks about God's warning the king of Judah, uh, the same judgment in Exodus 22 here. And in Lamentations, we have become orphans, fatherless, our mothers like widows. Uh, God keeps warning the nation of Israel and Judah not to mistreat them. And what we find in Scripture over and over and over again is that they're being mistreated. Mm -hmm. So... That's part of why the, their nations were conquered. It's a small part, but mm-hmm. it is a part because God does not like that. And um, so, false worship, oppressing women and children, the money thing. Because you know, so much everybody wants your money, and that's why they don't want to help widows or children or anything. But verses twenty-three through twenty-five through twenty-seven. If you make a loan. Don't charge interest. Return the man's garment if he is uh, given in a pledge before the sun goes down. Basically, uh, hey, let me borrow 20 bucks. I'll lend you my coat until I get it back. And then when night comes, you're supposed to give the coat back so he has something to sleep in. Mm. That's, that's basically what that's saying. Mm. Um, and it doesn't say whether or not he pays you back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, verse 28, don't blaspheme the name of God. That's a big one. Uh, verse 29 through 30, reminder, uh, the firstborn belongs to God. The firstborn was always meant to. That mm-hmm. was always supposed to be the priest. Yes. Uh, verse 30, uh, don't eat meat torn by animals. So if you're uh, hunting and you kill an animal that was in a fight with another animal, you're not supposed to eat that meat. Mm. It says there's something about it. 
chapter 23 largely reiterates the Ten Commandments. So we'll go through this kind of quick. Uh, verses 1 through 2, do not bear false witness and do not follow a crowd in doing evil things. So think about the election time and mm -hmm. them burning cities and mm -hmm. following crowds and doing things of that nature. Yeah. Verses 4 through 5, help your enemies when they fall on hard times. So basically the way the Bible translates is uh, if a man's donkey falls over, you're supposed to go over and help it. And today, if you see your enemy stuck on the side of the road, uh, you're not supposed to say what serves them right. <laughs> you're supposed to help. Uh, verse 6, do not justify falsely. How many times do we see that? Mm. So even in your own life, um, and I try to tell young people to be careful of this. Because they decide to go a certain way, they know that way is not right, but they start justifying that way because they don't want to face the punishment or they don't want to deal with how people will look at them. So they start justifying what they're doing and finding ways to say it, and they know it's manipulation, but they don't think it's that bad, but do not justify falsely. It's right here. Mm. Those kind of situations. Verse 7, keep distance from a false charge. Mm. So if you know your friend's lying about something or someone you know, you're supposed to keep your distance from that. Don't go getting mixed up in that. Uh, verse 8, don't accept bribes. Man, if we could get the government to do that. <laughs> verse 9, not to oppress a resident foreigner. Uh, verse 10 through 11, sow in the land six years, and the seventh, let it rest. So we're going to get to the uh, stuff we talked about earlier. I'm going to yeah. bring up some of these pictures here. And the Dust Bowl in the 1930s, they weren't letting the land rest every seventh year. And I'm going to show you some of the results of that. Uh, this is a picture from then. And I'm going to show you one more. And this is how the land was going around and being affected by that because they didn't let the land rest. Everywhere there was crops, everywhere there was things. And then they just, they were dying off. They were struggling. Yeah. And uh, what we do today is we either let the land rest or we plant certain things that nourish the ground in America. You can do research on that if you want, but you had some scriptures you wanted to say to Well, you. yesterday's reading, um, in uh, reading through the Bible in a year, I, uh, I was in Leviticus 26 yesterday, 26 and 27. And uh, we know about the, in the Ten Commandments uh, that we are to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy for the Lord created everything in six days and rested on the seventh. And it says that man should do his work in six days and rest on the seventh. But I was reading in Leviticus chapter 26, and I ran across this verse, and it's in verse 33 it says, I will scatter you among the nations and bring out my sword against you. Your land will become desolate, and your cities will lie in ruins. But here's what verse 34 that really caught my attention. Then at last, finally, at last, the land will enjoy its neglected Sabbath years and as it lies desolate while you are in exile in the land of your enemies. Then the land will finally rest and enjoy the Sabbaths it missed. So, you know, God is, he was serious in his laws, in his rules. And he said, you know, seven years, six years, you're able to plant crops. And he even gave them an abundant six year that they would have enough to, uh, to live on uh, for the seventh. And then the eighth year, they'd go back. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, even crops that, that voluntarily came up in the seventh year, they could eat daily on it. They just couldn't harvest it mm -hmm. and, and put it in. And they couldn't stop the stranger. Uh, from eating off of it. So God was really seriously, and he wanted the, the, the Sabbaths to be rested. And then we read again uh, in 43, for the land uh, must be abandoned to enjoy its years of Sabbath rest as it lies deserted. At last, the people will pay for their sins. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, uh, for they have uh, continually rejected my regulations and despised my decrees. We are ever so much reminding that God wants obedience out of us. Mm -hmm. uh, God, uh, he, he, you know, I also in uh, chapter Levit Leviticus 26, 
you know, we read Deuteronomy 28. The first 14 verses are, if you do this, you're going to be blessed. And then it goes to the end. If you don't do this, you're going to be cursed. Well, Leviticus 26 is the same way. The first 13 verses are, if you do this, you know. So God is continually teaching us if we obey. Mm -hmm. If we obey his laws, his commandments, do things God ways, we will prosper and uh, it tells us that, uh, you know, if uh, we read in Philippians 4, uh, you know, that we will, then we'll make our way, we will be blessed. Uh, uh, Joshua, uh, it tells us in Joshua 1.8, you know, meditate in the, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Meditate day and night, then you will make your way prosperous and have success. So uh, we need to understand God is not standing around to beat us over the head to punish us but his laws will be fruitful in our life for the good fruit or the bad fruit uh depending on how uh we do so uh obedience uh, obeying god obeying his rules his laws and living according to his word is is the message that we need to be sharing and telling people of so uh god takes them very serious yes so. And it's, uh, you know, he came not to uh, destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. And in Jesus, uh, you, when you, we see all that, there's some things that uh, have been justified that shouldn't be. And there are some things that uh, people still try to observe today that they don't have to. There's a, there's a solid walking ground on that. And eventually we'll get into that. We will get into it. And uh, early this morning at my men's Bible study, one of the things that we were talking about uh, the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Now, we may uh, we haven't really talked about this, and we may have a difference of opinion, but I've always taught that the Old Testament ended when Jesus was on the cross when he said these words, it is finished. And so what was finished was sacrifice no longer needed to be made for our sins because Jesus on the cross finish the work that man could never finish. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, from that moment on, our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. As we receive him, ask for forgiveness, we will be saved. We will be washed clean, made new. So uh, we got new laws from that moment on. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there are some things that I still like to observe, the Old Testament, uh, that uh, I think... The, one of the things at church, we totally neglect some of the holidays. Mm-hmm. And Purim is one of them and yes. that we're going to talk about here next week. So uh, you know, tr- trying to stay true to his word and follow along. So what I will do on uh, this instance is I agree with that on the cross. Uh, the word for New Testament or New Covenant is actually renewed covenant in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. So, so that throws some people off because mm-hmm. because the, uh, the Greek word is uh, renewed, renewed, renewed. So he didn't come to destroy; he came to fulfill. Now, you, when you go through the New Testament, it's telling you uh, throughout the scriptures what to observe, what not, and the things that were too difficult for them. You know, as Paul said, and so some of the things that were not. So. We're not telling you to go be ultra-legalistic. Yes. And we're not telling you that you have ultimate freedom either. No. So there's still some things you, we have to observe. Like I said, we will get into that at a later date. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, let's, we're going to go ahead and skip on here. Uh, we got off track a little bit. So let's, uh, let's see. Uh, establishment of the three feasts that every Jew had to attend, verses 14 through 17. So Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot, they all had to attend, which is Passover... Pentecost, Pentecost and Tabernacles. Tabernacles, those so, three. Yes. Every male always had to come and do those. Uh, verse 18, uh, is you're not supposed to offer anything with leavened bread, mm-hmm. which represents sin, as we know, as we've covered in the other ones. Uh, at any of those feasts, uh, you uh, sow the first fruits, the choice, the best of mm-hmm. what you have, the very first that comes out, and you sow it. Uh, well, that, all three of these feasts, he says, do not appear before me empty-handed. Yes. And so we're supposed to bring that offering. And it, as you said, it was the first fruit. It was the best yes. that we were to bring before him. Yes. And he says do this perpetually every, every year. Every year. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, in my life, since uh, we've 30-some uh, years ago <clears throat> started serving the Lord uh, in a new level or new, uh, with our whole hearts and not just with uh, 
you know, partial and accepting everything. You know, we've honored that. And for every Passover, I prepare a special offering over and above my tithes. Uh, and I bring an offering that Sunday. Sometimes it's larger in some years than others. Uh, and then at Pentecost, I bring an offering. And then at uh, the Feast of Trumpets, I bring another offering. And I do that to for the blessings of the Lord, uh, to honor God. And by that, I, I, I don't do it just to receive blessings. Mm-hmm. I do it to honor God. But I have never failed to give to God that he didn't bless me. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, these things are important, especially, I believe, these three feasts here. So, uh, uh, and does it give us any more insight on these feasts here? Yes, uh, a little bit here and there, but also I wanted to get to this point because we talked about it while we were in Israel. And the scripture, verse 19, uh, gets into, you shall not uh, boil a kid in its mother's milk. So for dinner, did we have any coffee? (laughs) No, uh, we didn't. uh, Everything was kosher in evening. There was no butter. Mm -hmm. There was coffee because there was no milk, Mm -hmm. no no cream of things of that nature. all we had was water. <laughs> we had water. Uh, very excited one night at the buffet. They had baked potatoes, and I thought, oh, man, that's going to be really good. And I put it on my plate, and then I, it dawned on me. There's no butter to put on it. There's no sour cream to put on it. Uh, who wants a baked potato with uh, nothing on it? And I know a few of you may, but there was no cheese to put on it. So exactly. it was uh, it was kind of disappointing on that baked potato. But... Uh, you, you didn't use uh, certain items. No. And it's, uh, they call these mitzvah, and these are commandments mm-hmm. is the word for it. And I'll bring up a picture for you here. Uh, so uh, a mitzvah, that's the plural sense, and then a mitzvah is the singular sense. So a mitzvah, uh, this was one of their commandments, is to not to cook that baby goat in that. Mother's milk. So we were we were forced to to follow the law. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we were. Um, the mitzvahs occur 180 times in the Tanakh, so the Old Hebrew Bible. 180 uh, of those commandments, mm-hmm. those styles. Um, Leviticus 19:12. Do not swear falsely by his name. Uh, so how many times have we heard that growing up? Oh, oh I swear, you yeah, know, yeah. and all that and. Yeah, there's a lot of it, especially bad in my age group. Uh, mm. We have a, a section of scriptures here. We'll go into real quick. Um, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep the way and bring you into the place which I have prepared. Uh, beware of him. Let me adjust this a little bit here. And do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions from for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one will shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. So that's a huge promise right there. Yeah. I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among the people to whom you will come and will make your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you and which shall drive out the Hittite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. Let's see here. I will drive them out from before you in one year lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field to become too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the Sea of Philistia and from the desert to the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your land, into your hand, and you shall drive them out from before you. You shall make no covenant with them nor with their gods, they shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Mm-hmm. Now, as we think about those passages, uh, 
That last part I'll address first. Okay. If you, not to serve their gods, not to make a covenant with them, and not to, do, you know, you're, you're not to do any of that. So did they obey or did they not obey that? No, they made a covenant with one of them, didn't they? Hmm. And they ended up serving some false gods. God warned them of that and they hmm. ended up happening later. Yes. But uh, also before all of that, earlier in the scripture, it talks about how he's going to send hornets and drive all of them out of the land. Did that happen? No, it didn't happen because of disobedience. They had to go in and conquer and fight and drive them out themselves. But God's original plan was for Israel to never have to fight any of them. You know, that's God's original plan for us. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the battle's not ours. The battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. Uh, you know, Ephesians tells us we uh, wrestle not with flesh and blood. But uh, almost every encounter I have when people are fighting, they're fighting with flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. But if we would learn that uh, according to uh, the Word of God, how to fight our battles on our knees and through the Word of God, uh, I think we'd be much more successful much more victorious. And once again, what we're coming back to, we're coming back to obedience. Mm -hmm. Obedience, obeying God, and obeying mm -hmm. God's law. And so th we see that they didn't obey God's law, and then they had to go in and fight these battles. Mm -hmm. And you, you'll, you'll find that we'll get, we'll, we'll get up to that. We're not quite there yet, but I just wanted to cover that. So remember this in our future parashahs because we're going to cover straight into that. And if you remember the Bible, you know what we're talking about. You know, my part in all of this teaching is to trip up Sean, make him get off track, and get him, allow him to get us back on track. So, uh, <laughs> But, uh, uh, Sean, you're doing a wonderful teaching. It's a great job. And uh, I really believe, uh, and from the response of so many of you that are watching from uh, some different countries mm -hmm. and uh, uh, different states, uh, we appreciate uh, you watching uh, share our video uh, when you get a chance because I, I really believe that uh, God has raised Sean up for such a time as this. We're going to hear a little bit about next week uh, for this teaching. So uh, you're doing a wonderful job. In it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, chapter 24. This is one of the where I wanted to get. So okay. Chapter 24. God commands his Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Nahu, and the 70 elders come up to Yahweh. So they're standing around the mountain, if you mm -hmm. remember on our last episode. And uh, only Moses come near, verse 2. Mm -hmm. Verse 3, Moses tell them all God said, and they agreed, we will do. Remember how we was talking yep. about that before in the other mm -hmm. ones. Once again, confirming the covenant. And then Moses set up 12 pillars at the foot of the mountain for the 12 tribes early in the morning. They offered sacrifices. Moses took some of the blood and put it in the uh, basins. He took the covenant and read it aloud. And again, to the people of Israel said, we will do confirming the covenant. Mm. So verse 8, this is the blood covenant, Moses says, that Yahweh makes with you concerning all these commands. Uh, Yeshua made the ultimate sacrifice and offering mm. of his own pure blood on the altar in heaven. Remember that he told, do not cling to me, to Mary Magdalene, yes. for I have not yet ascended. Now in Hebrews uh, chapter 9, 23 through 24, uh, that is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of the things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified by far better sacrifice than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Amen. So everything that uh, Moses sees, all the instructions that are coming that we're shortly getting to, they're already made in heaven. They're, they are the real things. Everything we've done here is a copy. Hmm. So it's important to keep that in mind. And when Jesus put his blood on that heavenly altar, that pure blood that took upon all of our sins, and he who knew no sin, he put it on that altar. And that's, you know, where all that comes into play. But um, we're just so grateful that uh, Jesus um, paid the price for us. And one of the things we constantly want to bring to your mind that he paid the price for you and that you at any moment can uh, decide to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You invite him into your heart. You confess your sins and ask for forgiveness. And he is so faithful that he will separate your sins as far as the east is from the west. And uh, so they'll be cast into the sea of forgetfulness. And I love uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 Anyone who is in Christ 
He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And as I rededicate my life to the Lord uh, daily basis, because I live in a, uh, a fallen world, I live in uh, a world of many deceptions and uh, many things, that we continue to have to renew our mind and let it be stayed focused upon the Lord. But he is faithful to forgive us and that we know that we can have eternal life in that. So this was a blood pure uh, that the best they could do mm-hmm. at that day. At that day. But Jesus did the best for us. Amen. 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 Uh, verse 9, they ascended into the mountain. Verse 10, they saw God. They saw the God of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we skip over that so much. Mm. Because it's like, well, you know, the children, nobody's got to see God until Jesus came. Well, let's, let's take they a seen, look at They've seen his glory. They've seen his, uh, his presence. Mm-hmm. Oh. So under whose feet was the likeness of the pavement of sapphire, like the very sky for purity. Mm. So I want you to take a step back in this moment. So maybe they couldn't see his face, but they saw him walking around. And underneath his feet is this pavement. Now, he's, it's translucent. They can see through it, and they can see that he's walking on the mountain. But at the same time, he's walking on this sapphire stone or a lapis uh, lazuli. As you know, it's only found in Iran. But it's like this uh, blue, translucent, pu- totally pure that we can't even imagine ground like you would find in the throne room. So according to your, your Jewish rabbis and your Messianic Jews, the throne of God came down upon the mountain. Mm. That's what they say here. So Moses and the, the children of Israel, the elders, are having a throne room experience where God moved his throne to where they were. Mm. Wow. So you've got to think about it. Uh, everything that's happening, this pillar of fire, pillar of smoke, uh, all of these things are going on around this mountain at this time. And the throne of God had descended upon the mountain. Mm. So sometimes you need a throne room experience. Oh, yes. And when you get that throne room experience, it's uh, what, what's, what's the precursor? Obedience. Mm. Doing what God has asked you to do. Uh, purifying your life. Because before you can go up to the throne room to get that experience, to get that breakthrough, to get those things in your life, there are some things that just require you to be separate from the things of this world separate from bondage from Egypt, separate from any sins. And then once you've purified yourself to walk up before God into that throne room experience, and that's where you get the instruction. We'll come into that on the next parasha. That has all to do with the instructions, but let's continue here. So uh, in Revelations 21, verse 19, part of the foundations of the city are made from sapphire. You know, so... Anyway, we're getting off track. Twice in Revelations, it mentions what? The sea of glass. Yeah. So, translucent. Well, you know, a lot of, and this is off track, but uh, Kevin has 12 foundations, and these 12 foundations are the 12 pure stones. Mm-hmm. It represents 12 tribes of Israel. Each one of them had a, had a stone, but they're good. that is the foundations of heaven. Transparent, as you can see right there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, It says, uh, like the sky for purity, so um, God did not raise his hand against them. It talks about this in verse 11, because I don't think the elders were supposed to come up this far, but because they had purified themselves, he didn't raise his hand against them, and they had obeyed, and they they beheld God, and they ate and drank. That's what it says. So the physical body cannot withstand his presence for long periods of time. So imagine being up on the mountain, you're going to eat and drink, and you, that power, the presence of God is just so overwhelming that they required sustenance. Now in verse 12, Yahweh said to Moses to meet him on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tablets with the teachings and the commandments which I have inscribed. Mm. Yep. So so many times we hear, well, Moses, it took him 40 days to carve that out of the stone. No, no, God did that. God did the teachings, the commandments, and the tablets. So we got three things which he inscribed. Mm. So we'll get to that later. Okay. But uh, in verse 14, wait for us here. If there's a legal matter, you have Aaron and her with you. So 
Moses is going to be separated now from the rest of them, and Aaron and her are with them if they have any legal matter. Verse 15, when Moses ascended the mountain, the cloud covered the mountain. So he's going up to the top now. Verse 16, the presence of Yahweh abode on Mount Sinai, and the cloud hit it for six days. On day seven, God calls Moses into the midst of the cloud. So at the peak of the mountain where God is, day seven, that's where he goes. Verse 17, to all Israel, Yahweh's presence appeared as fire on top of the mountain. So Moses went inside the cloud and ascended the mountain. So the Israelites looked, it looked like to them, like he walked into the fire. Wow. So that's one thing that rabbis teach that we, we don't really hear about. So that would be, imagine that spectacular moment. You're just sitting at the base of the mountain watching Moses. You know, you can see him. He's tiny, but you yeah. can see him. And he walks straight into the fire. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the throne room experience that we have going on here. He walks straight into that. So it really speaks to the, the majesty of God, the, the power of God. You know, in that presence there, you know anything's possible. Mm. So no matter what you're going through in your life, if you'll separate yourself and draw close to God, if it's a throne room experience that you require, then that's how you do it. This is, this is your outline. This talks about that. How do you get separated with God and just obey? Because he'll, he'll give you an instruction, you obey, he'll lead you to the throne, and then he'll give you the instruction of what you're supposed to do next week with, uh, well, our next lesson, which is Teruma, which is the instructions. So I wanted people to see that because we came, we've taught being separated out of bondage, being separated from uh, Egypt, being separated from their gods, and then separating yourself from the sins of this life, the pulls, the tugs, all the things, the negative influences of the mind, everything that you think is you but may not be, getting that close relationship with God. It's all about that relationship. It is. To get to that throne room experience, mm. to get to those moments to where... He tells you what you have to do, what He requires you to do, so He will do the rest to take care of everything. Wow. So a great teaching today. So, uh, so that wraps us up for this teaching. We're going into uh, next week. We will get this up to you as soon as we can. But uh, I'm going to uh, add a little twist that we haven't added to our podcast. Uh, I'm going to ask Sean to put you up some um, email addresses. And also um, maybe a, even a hard copy address, or P.O. box or something of that nature. So you can write to us. Uh, now, uh, by no means are we scholars, so uh, uh, don't try to stump us too bad. But we will do our best to answer some of your questions that you might have. Uh, so we, we want to add that to it because uh, we'd like to hear from you. We'd like to, to uh, find your, what you, you know, uh, some people are, are on Facebook or that are watching us or giving their comments. We really appreciate it and enjoy uh, that. But uh, we want to give you a chance to um, ask us a question and we can do our best into that. But uh, this has uh, been a great time today, great teaching. Uh, and I just start, these are highlights of my week as we, we get to do this, uh, Pastor Sean. Amen. Uh, you know, it's been great. Uh... I remember when uh, I first wanted to do this and we first started talking and he's like, yeah, we'll do that. So it's, uh, it's been great and uh, I just hope we can keep doing it. So, Amen. 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 Uh, may you be blessed. Everything you do be blessed. And may you have your throne room experience. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Bless you.